you are listening live to Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM, Auburn's home for student-run radio since 1971. As many of our listeners know, this is Weagle's one and only weekly drive-time morning show bringing you weather, the sports, the menus at the edge, weird news stories, Alabama State history, and more every Monday through Thursday, broadcasting live from the Bradley-based WEGL studio on the first floor of the Harold Mountain Student Center. I'm your Tuesday host, Alex Houston, and it is a weird day outside. It is 66 degrees right now, but it will not stay like that for long. It could get as high as 80 degrees later today and sunny. And ladies and gentlemen, I know what you're thinking. Spring weather is finally here. We can all rejoice. And while I certainly do not want to halt any celebrations, this warm day will be followed by three consecutive days of rain and this weekend temperatures will dip into the 40s so in short i give up now today i'm so excited to be joined on the show by sophomore auburn gymnast sophia growth at 12 years old Sophia was a junior national champion on beam and has already made an immediate impact during her two years on the plains last season she was the fresh sec freshman of the week four times, an NCAA second-team All-American, UCGA first-team All-American, and 2022 All-SEC selection. Sophia, thank you so much for joining me today on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. And obviously, Auburn Gymnastics generating a lot of excitement these last two years, your two years on the Plains. I want to kick things off by kind of going back to last year a bit, your freshman season, your first season of college gymnastics, and it is without question the greatest season in Auburn program history. It seemed like week by week you guys were breaking record after record. So then how do you and the team as a whole go into this year and not worry too much about the expectations and the pressure that comes with following a historic season like last year? Yeah, no, last year I couldn't have asked for a better freshman season. I committed between eighth grade and ninth grade, and so I had a, four years of anticipation built up. And I really just came in guns a blazing, and I think that really helped me just get acclimated to the environment and just want to do it for myself and for the team. And then, yeah, like you said, we broke records week after week, and it was so exciting. And I didn't have anything to compare it to, so I didn't know anything different, but I knew that it was a special team for sure. And then coming into this year with all of last year, I think we really just wanted to build off of it. And... We have a new team, new staff, and we knew there were going to be some adjustments, but we were also excited because we knew our capability and we knew that we had everything in the bag just to continue to build off of last year. Right, and you mentioned committing at the in the eighth grade. I read that in Justin Lee's great story that he wrote about you last year. So I wanted to ask you about that because obviously Auburn has become such a household name these last two years, two straight sellouts, but... You committed four years or in your eighth grade, which was now six years ago, right? And obviously Auburn was a program on the rise, but what about it for you that made you want to commit to Auburn, especially considering you had offers from Oklahoma, which was one of the perennial powers? Yes, so I was very young. I was 14, and I didn't even know what college was, really. I didn't. I knew what I wanted to do with my life, but I was so young. And coming on my visits, I knew that Auburn was actually fifth out of five on my list going into my visits. And when I got to the Plains, I knew that it was home because the family environment and the feel and the resources and just the support overall, I knew nothing else would compare. And I also wanted to make sure I prioritize myself as a person and not just as an athlete because I'm not just an athlete. And I think Auburn has a really good balance balance system of that where the coaches and the staff and everybody wants you to succeed as a person and outside of school in addition to being an athlete. 
Right. And you mentioned sort of the way you felt coming on to Auburn. And in these last two years, the crowds have been enormous. The support for Auburn Gymnastics has been crazy. You yourself have become a bit of a fan favorite because of the way you express yourself on beam and on floor every time you're smiling, every time you stick a landing. I want to ask you where that kind of comes from because when we talked to Darion Goburn earlier this year, she said that her expressiveness is about connecting with the audience, where for you, is that the same thing or is that just something that just comes naturally? It is definitely about connecting with the audience, but for me in club, I took gymnastics very seriously and it was not a fun thing for me. It was more of a business in my job. And then coming into college, I knew I was working for something so much bigger than myself and it wasn't just me doing my gymnastics, it was for the team too. And I think, honestly, I don't remember how it all happened. Last year, I would do a scale and then my mouth would just open. And I, <laughs> it took me like half the year to realize like what that joy was. And I think I've pieced it together and it's just the joy of the fans. It's just all of it combined is an inexplic- inexplicable amount of happiness that I've never felt doing gymnastics. And I really just do it now for the joy and love for the sport and the people. And I think if you love Auburn, Auburn's going to love you right back. And I feel like, you know, I just couldn't imagine a better place to be. And that quote right there, if you love Auburn, Auburn will love you back. has kind of become the quote of this year for Auburn athletics, partly from Cadillac Williams mentioning a lot when he was the interim head coach. And I hear you say that right then and there. A lot of that joy that you have when doing gymnastics comes out in your new disco-inspired floor routine that I think has become another fan favorite, even with Darion Goborn's incredible routine that she does every year. What, why disco? Where did that sort of come from in comprising that floor routine? Yes, so last year and all of my club routines have been, I've always been more graceful and dancey and dramatic and college is not for that. You know, you want to engage the audience and what's going to get them up and moving and so I wanted to pick some songs that people knew and people recognized and it's funny because I hear the songs in wellness almost every day and I'm like hey that's my floor music but Darion's brothers actually choreographed my routine this year and I was really excited for that just because they know how to dance and it took me a little bit just to get out of my comfort zone and really embrace the full aspect of the disco and moving my body like that but now like I couldn't be more excited to perform it every week. And it's definitely worked out for you four consecutive, I think it is, nine nines in that event. What's that been like to have that kind of success? Because I know you've been working back from surgery and you both have talked, you and Coach Grave have talked about it a lot, practicing in the public eye, which I honestly cannot imagine. So what's it been like for you to see that payoff, especially on floor with that routine that you learned in the offseason and now getting four straight nine nines? Yeah, it's been so re- rewarding. Preseason was hard for me because I did have sinus surgery and you know, it's really hard to do a floor routine if you can't breathe. And when I finally was recovered, it took a lot of numbers and it took a lot of endurance and just work overall to, you know, break into that lineup spot again. And it's just been awesome to see my hard work come to fruition and continue to do my job and know and perform like how I know how to perform. And speaking of that hard work, I know um – you and Coach Grave have talked about working on your beam routine because a lot of rule changes affected that. Could you go into a bit of what those rule changes were? Because 
I mean, I like to think that I watch gymnastics quite a bit, and I don't fully comprehend everything that goes on, especially with the rules. So what exactly changed that caused you to have to make those changes? Yes, so last year they devalued my dismount. So I used to do a side aerial full. And then over the summer I did every dismount under the sun, and I was playing around with everything, trying to see kind of what clicked naturally. And I never found a dismount that I really enjoyed doing or felt like I was confident in. And so I started out the season doing a gainer, which is um, Gabby McLaughlin's dismount. And it was okay, but it was just inconsistent. I didn't feel confident with it. And so after the first meet, I came back to Jeff and I was like, hey, Jeff, I got to change my dismount. Like, I don't like it. And he was like, okay, yeah, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I know how to do a side aerial full, so why don't I just try and do the side aerial one and a half? And so we decided on that, but it takes a little bit more energy to do a one and a half versus a full. And so at the end of the routine, you're pretty tired. And we decided that a tuck shape would be better than doing a layout one and a half. And with that, it takes a little bit more air awareness. It's a different kind of flipping. And so I've really just tried to get in as many numbers as I can and drills to help me find that air awareness and get more consistent with those. And I will say, even in the four years that I've been watching since I got to school, beam is still the most stressful event every single time, especially when I don't think anybody realizes it, especially if you're sitting on the side, that that beam is what, how how wide is it? Isn't it like four inches wide? Four inches, yes, sir. Just Utterly insane. And I saw after your routine on Friday, you talking to Coach Graba extensively afterwards. What what was that conversation about? What exactly do you all discuss, especially in the middle of a meet? Yes. So like I've said, I put a lot of numbers in and this dismount just hasn't seemed to come together yet. And I've been making a lot of progress in practice and we've been doing a lot of drilling and I've felt my confidence go up tremendously. And been a little frustrating in the meet because I haven't been able to you know stick it or get that correct landing and after after I hit my dismount I was like okay Jeff like what's not clicking like how can we fix this and he was like no you know where you are in the air it's just you want to stick that so bad and you're trying too hard I was like yes you're right like I I want it so bad I'm trying too hard and so we got back in the gym yesterday and I've been doing some more drills and we've been watching videos back and just kind of analyzing it and seeing how we can move forward. And then you just mentioned moving forward. Obviously, um, now that the NQS rankings are out and being affected each week, how much is that something that you guys pay attention to as a team or not at all? Because I know, like speaking to Bruce Pearl and Auburn basketball, he keeps his team very in the loop about the NCAA tournament. Is that something that you guys even worry about, or is it just week by week, not even worrying about, oh, if we get a high score, it could raise our NQS and so on and so forth? We are definitely aware of it. I think all of us as individuals know and know where we're at and know what it's going to take. But overall, as a team, Jeff stresses the opposite as Bruce, and he says, don't look at the outside scores. Don't look at the NQS. None of that matters. What matters is you know, moving forward, looking ahead. It doesn't matter how we get there. And it doesn't matter throughout the season where we're ranked. It only matters at the end. And so he really stresses us not to look at the outside factors. You know, Twitter is a big thing. And he's like, don't go on social media. Don't feed into it because at the end of the day, you know, it's us and us alone. And we're, we have control of how we're going to get there. 
And I want to circle back to something you brought up earlier. Um, You mentioned being more than just an athlete, and that's part of your connection to Auburn. Now, one of the biggest changes that ever happened since you committed here was the implementation of NIL, which happened, I think, what, a few months before your freshman year? And I think it was always something tailor-made for gymnastics more than any other sport due to how much you guys shine as individuals. And while a lot of people have jumped at the opportunity to profit from their success, you have, if I'm not mistaken, partnered with the nonprofit Baby Steps, an Auburn-based nonprofit that provides housing, support, and community to pregnant and parenting college students. So for you, why partner with that organization and what has been your goal when partnering with them? Yes, so coming into college, I knew NIL had just been changed and just been introduced and I was just like okay whatever that's great but I don't have a name image or likeness so I don't need to worry about that and then as my freshman season went on I had a little bit more interest and people started coming to me and I was just so confused I was like I I don't have the time to deal with this right now like it's an awesome opportunity and I really wanted to do it the right way and For me, that was making an impact bigger than myself, and it was bigger than just a business deal and getting money. It was changing people's lives and leaving a legacy, and so that's exactly what Baby Steps was for me, and when they approached me, I couldn't have asked for a better organization to partner with, and yes, it's been just the biggest blessing being able to connect with the families and taking pictures with their babies. Like It's just been awesome, and it's it's fulfilled my goal of, you know, contributing to something so much bigger than myself. And is that something you look forward to doing, obviously, these next two years and getting more involved? Or exactly what, I guess, next plans? Because NIL is continually changing. Even the Alabama state laws are changing. What other steps do you plan on taking over these next two years? Yes, I, I mean, I definitely want to continue to keep growing and expanding. And I have have some other deals with local Auburn businesses. And I really like it because... I get to create a relationship with them and it's not, again, not just a business deal where it's like, okay, here's a contract, here's some money, post this on social media. And yeah, again, I just, I have um, a deal with Baumhauer's that's been new and it's been awesome just to connect with Kevin Tudhope and his family and just create that relationship because again, it's, if if you love Auburn, Auburn's going to love you back. And you mentioned local business. Now, this is, I believe, our last question because we're nearly out of time. But my roommate, Sutton, says that apparently you're featured very heavily on the Irritable Bow Instagram (laughs) stories. I'll admit I'm not very in tune with that. But judging by your laugh, I'm guessing that's correct. So then, as we always talk about food on this show, what is your go-to Irritable Bow meal? Oh, that's a hard question. Um, No, I love Whitley and the Irritable Bow family. But I would say... The buffalo chicken dip bao is always a favorite for me. And the pimento cheeseburger bao. It's just really hard to pick a favorite because they, I mean, with their menu changing every day, there's always something that for everyone to enjoy. That's a very, that's a very good point. (laughs) I'm more of a street Brussels man myself. Oh, yes. Uh, I like all the food there. I've tried to convince my mom to go, but she actually is grossed out by the name. So I'm trying to work her past (laughs) that. But she's like, I don't want to eat at a place called Irritable Bao. And that's I've tried so hard, but I'm about to graduate, so it appears my opportunities are just about done. Well, Sophia, thank you so much for joining the show. I really, really appreciate it, and good luck this Friday as Auburn travels to Kentucky to take on Kentucky in gymnastics. At Friday, I believe it is 6 p.m., the Wildcats are number 12, Auburn is number 9. And with that, this is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM. We'll be right back after this.
This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM, weaglefm.com. And sometimes in conjunction with the Auburn Sports Network, we'll be doing that for volleyball and soccer coming up this spring and the next fall. I'm your Tuesday host, Alex Houston, and I thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Auburn sophomore gymnast Sophia Growth. I had a lot of fun with it, to be honest. It's so much fun to get to talk to these athletes about not just their careers, but how they've chosen the school that they've gone to. And obviously with NIL, so many incredible charity opportunities. And first and foremost, I want to thank Kendra Willard, the SID for Auburn Gymnastics, for setting that up. The SIDs are the unsung heroes of all your favorite Auburn sports and Auburn athletes. They're the ones that set up all the interviews and coordinate so many opportunities for us as reporters and journalists to get to know these athletes and get to tell their incredible stories as best we can. So again, thank you to Kendra and thank you to all SIDs who do all that hard work behind the scenes. Now for those who don't know, SID is Sports Information Director. I only say that because I had somebody bring up a question about that last night. And again, I want to thank Sophia uh, for joining the show. I really just, I I have a lot of fun with this because I think these gymnasts and this entire team has such an incredible story to tell in their own way, especially on the on the floor and in the arena as well as off of it talking to me. And now it looks like I finally have a guest joining. He did miss an Auburn gymnast, but now he is here. What? What do you mean what? Miss an Auburn gymnast? Yeah, did you not know, Logan? Sophia Growth was in the studio only four minutes ago. No, she's my favorite. She was sitting in that chair, but if, if you paid attention, you would know that I, I was... I did. You know what's the worst part? I woke up at 6.45, and I'm like, I was playing on going to competition. I'm like, well, I guess I'm doing compact discourse, and then I ran a little late. If you look at your phone, you should see a text from me that says, hey, I'm running late. I should be here after the first break. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you have missed your opportunity. Yes, she was here for 15 minutes. Uh, we just talked about a variety of things, as well as... The Irritable Bow. Now, Logan, are you a big fan of the bow? I am a big fan of the bow. What is your go-to bow menu? Hers was a pimento cheeseburger bow and the buffalo chicken dip bow. I like the pimento cheeseburger bow. I really like the... Uh, you're going you're gonna to laugh. I like the mac and cheese bow. No, that, no shame. No shame. No shame at all. I mean, they're all good bow. Yeah, they're like, all good bow. Like... That's the thing is everybody's like, oh, you might not, you might think this is a hot take. All the food is good food. I'm more, I'm the street Brussels. That's my go-to. They're just, they're so good. I don't. Or the the cheesecake egg rolls. They the have. cheesecake egg rolls are oh, a transformative goodness. experience. That's why I've had to give up sugar for uh, the year <laughs> because uh, it would have been a dangerous, dangerous. Um, you gotta moment. get, you gotta get one though before you leave campus. Oh no, I have, I have had one before. No, make no mistake about it. Yeah, but I say, is, is it a little low or high? A little, little low. Yeah, yeah. She, she, she was adjusting because I was like, you just do whatever, whatever. So yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. two gymnastics people down. Hopefully, many more to go the on compact discourse. Sophia. Yes, and Sophia. We gotta get Darion now. I so really, I, can, I like, really, I'm gonna talk to Kendra about having Darion on the show um, the week after spring break because that'll be after their final meet, and I kind of want to get a retrospective for her on that. But we should, we should see if she wants to do WWE. Uh, I mean, okay, actually, I'll ask her that question because if you listen to my interview with do, Jeff Grabe, I did ask him about the WWE. We could do a special morning episode, maybe. Hey, man, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll certainly make it work. But again, Auburn gymnastics taking on Kentucky. This Friday at 6 o'clock in a big-time SEC meet. Now, Logan, how big of a – you said Sophia's your favorite. How big of a gymnastics viewer are you? I do not watch every meet. I'm not going to claim that. But, like, I watch – like, I keep up with it mostly between your tweets or just watching it on the TV or going to the events. I think – I've told you this. We've said it before. 
I think gymnastics is the most fun sport to watch. It's incredible. Period. Like, and that's to someone who's like the I played, you know, whatever, eleven years of football and all that stuff. Football don't compare to gymnastics at Auburn. I can tell you that. As much, the only thing, especially because football has not done a great yeah, job of trying since, to compare these last I've two years, here, have they? The <laughs> only game that's compared is the Iron Bowl, which like that, and then not last year's. I'll tell you that. It's yeah, exactly. Before. Yeah, but like the thing about gymnastics, where like best is like one, we're really good at it, but two, like it's almost you can ch- obviously you're gonna cheer for Auburn, but you can like appreciate both teams. When I'm watching Bryce Young. Storm down the field. I'm not appreciating Bryce Young. We're not. We're not appreciating know? his talent as he's ripping our hearts out yeah, slowly but, but like, surely. I gotta be like, man, that is impressive. That is, you know, like it's a lot, of, and it's just like the energy is a lot more positive. It's a lot better. Everyone's getting into it. I feel like we have some of the most fun gymnastics crowds, controversial crowds apparently. The gymnastics are awesome. Who cares? Yeah, oh, they're awesome to us. Yes. I mean, but. look, here's the thing. Jeff Graba and the program loves the gymnastics, so that, all the other people love them too. Exactly. It's, just, it's like the fans are like G- the gymternet as I've heard them called <laughs> or gym twitter is not like that's the thing is the other the opposing gymnasts have talked about it being quite hilarious. The team itself loves them. Yeah. So maybe who cares? It's true. That's what I'm saying. Who cares? So, now, as I mentioned, and I asked Sophia about this for those who listened, I asked about raising Auburn's NQS. Now, do you know what NQS is, Logan? National something. So, it is the national qualifying score, and it is the way that they rank gymnastics teams and determine the seeding for the NCAA gymnastics. Now, it's not exactly what you think. It's not just an average that is then determined as the qualifying. The NQS is is determined by getting the team's top six scores from the season, except... Three of those top six have to be away from home scores. And then of those six, you get rid of the tiest one and average out the other five, and that is how you get the NQS. It's essentially meant to get rid of outliers and eliminate the advantage of being at home because, as Jeff Grabe has talked about, competing at home is a hundred times easier. He he has told me that when you're on the road in gymnastics, you have a 10% chance of winning. Oh, to, I believe as that. a start value, basically, and that it only either whittles down depending on the team you're playing, or might go up, up depending on the team that you're competing against. But on field advantage is a real thing, especially again because, like, even though it's all the same equipment and you know the same material, these gymnasts practice on their beam a hundred times and then go and compete on Alabama's beam once. Yeah, and that's exactly. It. I mean, it's the same thing as like any basketball. Like as much as they say every basketball court's the same, it's not the same. Exactly, it's different. The wood bounces differently. The wood sometimes. bounces differently. The rim bounces like it's like it's what you're used to. You know, you've done this spot, this routine, this. You know, exactly. And Auburn raised their NQS this past Friday with a win over Georgia because it knocked off their lowest score. From a 197.75, now they replaced it with a 197.550. Now, this this Friday is very critical because it's one of their two road meets left, and they do have a low road score of a 197.2 against Florida. They're definitely trying to knock that off to raise NQS as best they can. I really think they can do it. I think being on the road versus at home is the difference between a win and a loss, but mm-hmm. as if you've ever listened to Jeff Graber talk about it, wins and losses don't really matter. That's that's the most difficult, and I, that's what I've told a lot of people when you're watching gymnastics. It's the most difficult adjustment to make is realizing that it doesn't matter if they lose. Yeah, like what the other team scores does not matter. If Alabama scores a 199 and they beat Auburn, 
that doesn't matter if Auburn scores a 198-5. Like that, like scoring a 198-5 yeah. is amazing, and that's what really matters. It does not matter if you lose, and that's what happened earlier this year when they lost to Alabama. In fact, because Alabama scored a 197-85, but Auburn scored a 197-7, which is a really good road score, and they celebrated that because that's what matters. Yeah, exactly. And it's a difficult adjustment to make. So they've got two more chances to raise it with Kentucky in the SC tournament. Then they've got the home, the, the, which is so annoying to me that Senior Day is going to be during spring break. The final home, the final home meet is who March tenth. Who, who it's is Penn it? State, so it's a non-conference, but it is the final home. Are meet. you going to be gone? I'm coming back for it. I to be quite I'll honest, I'll be in town. It just depends on what my work schedule. Yeah, is. Yeah, but I wanted to come back for it because, like, it's the final. Because it so obviously. Pretty much every senior that's like just a regular senior has confirmed they're coming back. Like Aria confirmed she's coming back. I'm pretty sure Cassie is going to come back. I would be I would be very surprised if she doesn't come back. Personally, especially because she's taken such a big role this year. It seems like that's only a trajectory upwards. But obviously, Darion has used her fifth year, so she will be gone. Suni's gone, and Suni is going to the elites. So I mean, the two. Are, I mean, at this point, the two greatest gymnasts in program history will be having their final meet, and I'm going. I do not care. Like I, like my, my someone's like, your spring break's gonna be so short. Who cares? The gymnast meet will be my main event for spring break. Hey, all that matters during spring break is you're not doing homework. Exactly. And if gym, gymnastics is pretty awesome, so yeah. that's not that's not homework for me. And again, it's been really an incredible ride to see this team evolve in my four years. Obviously, Logan, you've been here during the peak of gymnastics yeah, these last true. two years. And you've been like, dang, gymnastics is awesome. Yeah, they were they were historic last year. They broke every record in the book and broke them again and again and again. I would remember last year when they would score a lower score, and it's like that's still the second highest score in the history of the program or some absurd number because every score last year was so much higher than years past. So, obviously with that, again, I want to shout out to Sophia Growth for – Coming on to the show, they of course did not know Weagle existed. I asked, I asked Sophia, and oh, she was course. like, no she's way. like oh, I, now I'm going to listen." And I was like, "Yes." So we, we got that. Uh, what I'm saying is, we might be able to talk some of these athletes and get in their own show if they come in. I mean, it certainly could be done. And again, I want to really thank Auburn Gymnastics because they've adjusted very well to the fact that their sport has exploded in popularity and exploded in. Just media content. They found ways to make their athletes more available, and I really appreciate all the hard work they do because it allows us to tell these incredible stories. Justin Lee wrote some amazing stories last year. I want to give him a major shout-out for those. He wrote an incredible story on Sophia. He wrote a great one on SUNY. He wrote one on Darion. They're all they're all great. Shout-out my friend Justin Lee. Oh, yes, friend of the show. <laughs> friend of WWEGL itself, Justin Lee. You were there. You know, I should ask Sophia if she saw Cocaine Bear. That's clearly my... That's what, yeah. That's what I saw. <laughs> Clearly, maybe, maybe, maybe if I see her, if I see her later on, I'll Are ask her. Are you allowed to say that on the air? Yes, it's it's a title. We're allowed. Okay, to, you're allowed fair. to say a title. You're not. You're not allowed to. You know, specifically talk Allude about to what. Happens yeah. in that movie. Well, no, no, you are because it's it's con it, it's it's a thing. It's like a it's like a thing where you're allowed to discuss things that are happening in the public sphere, but you're not allowed to discuss your own private activities that would. But none of our private activities would delve into that. So I don't know why we're having this discussion. You know, it's also a thing. What's all, what is also a thing? It is now time for a PSA break. That is exactly correct. Wow, Logan's doing a better job of this show than me. Maybe he should take over. Uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, exactly. We'll be right back after this. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle, 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com.
I always click the wrong ones. I always, always click the wrong ones. Now, Auburn Athletics discussion continues. We just talked about one of the greatest um, sports to watch in Auburn, and it happens to be a female sport. So, the debate has begun. What will Auburn do about its first female athlete statue? Because right now, I believe with the... Um, with the... Oh my gosh, what is the... Frank Thomas statue, the Big Hurt statue. That'll be eight mm-hmm. male athlete statues or coaches around the campus. Meanwhile, yep. there is not a single female <coughs> statue of any kind. Logan, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I think we should start erecting female statues ASAP. Like, there's at least uh, soon to be four women that deserve a statue, if not more. Those four being? Um, Ruthie... What's the coach? Ruthie Bolden. Ruthie Bolden. I think Suning. Suning, yeah. When she graduates. I think Darion when she graduates. Um, And then what's the coach's name? Ah, I'm drawing a blank right now. Which coach of what sport? You got to help me out here. You say some stuff. I'll be doing some research. I I think Ruthie Bolden is an absolute lock for that one. I think she played at Auburn during Auburn – Basketball's most successful period ever, by the way. I believe it was three consecutive Final Fours, including including three or two consecutive national championship games. Let me look this up just to confirm, of course, before we get a little too into that. So, yes. Um, oh, wow. So, during Ruthie Bolton's time, Auburn, if I'm not mistaken, went to the national championship game three straight times. Mm-hmm. They were in the Elite Eight twice, bookending that at the front end on the back end. And Ruthie Bolton, let's see, she played at Auburn. Okay, why is this not giving me the information? Like, her Wikipedia has nothing about her Auburn career. Okay, this is really annoying. Um, She was inducted into the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011. She's an Olympic gold medalist. She, again, was part of the most successful era of Auburn basketball, period. This is not like... Women's or men's specific. Literally, Auburn's basketball has not equaled that run that women's basketball had. So, therefore, it's the most successful run, period. Yep. She deserves a statue. Build and, the statue. Build it now. I mean, there's a Charles Barkley statue. And I love Charles Barkley, but like. He was, an, he was an Olympic gold medalist and an NBA legend, but in Auburn, Auburn basketball, basketball lore, lore, he wasn't. Ruthie blows him out of the yeah, water. Yeah, <laughs> Ruthie, Ruthie does, in fact, destroy, especially in terms of your resume and just career achievements. Build her the dang statue and build it now. Seriously, this is not this is not a hard thing to figure out. That's one of the most annoying things to me is that I think like, Auburn has such a great history and they don't show it off well. Like when I went to Notre Dame, I don't know if you know this, but each of Notre Dame's gates is named after a famous coach of the university with a statue of that coach outside the entrance of the stadium. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's fun. Love it. Auburn's like gate one brought to you by Yellow Yellowwood. Gate two also brought to you by Yellowwood. Gate three, <laughs> it's brought to you by Yellowwood. Yellowwood. Incredible. Um, build a Ruthie Bolton statue. Did you find the coach that we were looking for? I think I've. this is what the tracker was. I would think there should be a nun statue as much as she's become like a mascot of the university and being our female coach in the past, stuff like that. I don't know about like athletic achievement, but, you know. She has been the um, the PA announcer for Auburn Women's Basketball for several, several years. Plus Let's see. a coach and I think a former player. I may be wrong on that one. Let's see. Fact check me. Um, I'm reading into it now. Susan Nunnally... Um, quotes a Loretta Lynn song in 1978. We've come a long way. All right, I'm just <laughs> so 
The SEC honored her as an SC Trailblazer on Wednesday at the SC Women's Basketball Tournament in Nashville, part of the conference's celebration of the 50th anniversary of the title of Title IX. That was last year. Enacted in 1972, Title IX is dramatic. Nunn enrolled at Auburn University in fall of 1966, coming to the Plains from Hueytown, Alabama. She was a member of the Auburn University marching band, played alto saxophone and bassoon each day of practice. Football coach Ralph Shug Jordan would stop by to encourage the band. She played in pep band during basketball season, guaranteeing a seat in the Auburn Sports Arena, so not only did not have to camp out in 1968 like many of her fellow students to see LSU star Pistol Pete Maravich's first trip to the Plains. Pistol Pete. The dude that averaged 40 oh, points a I game in Pistol college, Pete. man. Insanity, Pistol Pete. Just I love Read up on the Pistol 2K. Pete lore, man. <laughs> that dude is crazy. All right, I'm still reading. She worked on her master's degree while officiating intramurals and helping with campus recreation when Congress passed Title IX. Director of Athletics Lee Haley worked with women's AD Sandra Newkirk to determine how Auburn would comply. Auburn's cooperation sharing its facilities. Um, she's also the voice of the SEC tournament. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. I know she does Auburn basketball. So despite not having played high school basketball since it was not offered to girls in Alabama at the time, Nunnally became the second women's basketball coach in Auburn history, leading the Tigers to a 43-20 record over three seasons from 1973 to 1976, saying, quote, it was great. They wanted to play and they loved the game. In those early days, student-athletes on women's Auburn's women's basketball and volleyball team shared uniforms, and none of these players paid for their own shoes. Lord, it was the Wild West out here. Lord have mercy. Shocker. In 1974, she coached the first all women's basketball game at Beard Eve's Coliseum, but preferred playing in the sports arena because of its wooden floor and the impact students and fans could have on the game. The sports arena kept the, cl- the crowd close to the court. 100 people, that was a big crowd. The fact that they were next to the court made a difference. Five decades later, her former players still support Auburn's women's basketball program. After three seasons, Nunnally stepped down as coach to focus on her other Auburn responsibilities, teaching and running intramurals. In 1984, she became Auburn's director of campus recreation. Yeah, build her a statue at the rec. I don't care. Yeah. Build the Nunna Dang statue. Who cares, man? I mean, if you're thinking about like Auburn legends, if, there's a reason they every camp wore Eagles second. A section like she is as iconic a figure yeah. as and and deservedly so too. She's I mean just listen to that as she's an SEC trailblazer and women's sports should be celebrated. They're amazing, by the way. Oh, yeah, for and, sure. And I mean we we are the exclusive home for Auburn soccer and Auburn volleyball. And Auburn volleyball just had one of the best seasons in program history and is only trending Ooh, upwards. I could it, see a statue from there very soon. I mean. Some of these, uh, he may very well be the greatest coach in Auburn volleyball history, as well as some of those players are making all kinds of records. Four years, look, call me back in four years from now and see how that program. I is think done. we should build the Octavia statue in front of the English building or the journalism building. You know, she was a journalism minor. She was. I know that. In journalism, building yes. one in front of those. I, why? Honestly, why the heck not, man? Statues we, are awesome. I think if we have eight statues for male, athletes, you should equal it. Equal it, or at least get close. Yeah. So I want to bring up something you brought up um, about Sunni and Darionce. There was some debate going on on Twitter because Jim Turnett and all that, all the nonsense, really be making me angry most of the time. So Sunni is pretty much a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and her outside success combined with her being a national champion and a runner-up already, she's probably going to compete for a national championship again this year and, and might, set records. And set records. She's a foregone conclusion. People brought up Darion and they're like, I don't know about that, and I want to, I want to. Darion is the first national champion in program history. True. She was a national champion on vault her freshman year. She has a 10, which is not a very common thing in gymnastics program history. She is a five-year 
competitor. She's been an All-SEC, All-American selection throughout her career. Yep. She's also pretty much changed the game because a lot of people you know, bring up the fact that they're selling out meets now, yada, yada, yada. Part of the reason they still were successful the first two years of my time here at Auburn was because Darion was the star of the show. And that probably helped bring SUNY in. Yeah, Auburn was on a lot of uh, in lo- a lot of the connection between SUNY, of course, is because Jeff Grabo's oh, yeah. brother, twin brother, um, coached her up in Minnesota, obviously. But yeah, the fact that Darion helped make this program high profile beforehand and has left an immediate impact afterwards. Plus, Does Auburn get to the Final Four last year without her ten on floor? No. The one that she adds against Florida, that constant nine point nine five that she gives on floor. Does Auburn get that far without her? With her incredible performance on bars and on vault, I don't know. And also, just the fact that again, NAS champion in five years, like that is that is a beautiful. I mean, most college athletes that we have erected statues for have not, not been a five-year athlete. Yeah, no, 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 no. The impact she's left on the sport, she definitely is a deserving of a statue. When she becomes WWE Women's Champion, she'll definitely be deserving of a statue. Of course, write she certainly down. will. Again, down. I'm just going to bring this up. She was a national champion on vault. Last year, she was the runner-up on bars and on floor. Second place in the country in two events. Yep. Two events. She's been an NCAA All-American, a WCGA All-American, an SEC Co-Specialist of the Year, an All-SEC Selection, another WCGA All-American, another SEC Co-Specialist of the year, another All SEC selection, another WCGA All American, another SEC All SEC selection, another NCAA All American, another All SEC selection, All SEC Freshman Team 2019, SEC Freshman of the Week twice, SEC Specialist of the Week four times. Give her the statue. As much as I like, I love. Give Charles it with her Barkley. doing the crown, and it'll be the greatest statue exactly. ever built, and it doesn't matter. I. I wanted to tweet at people so bad <laughs> last night, but I was like, don't do that. Keep it calm. Keep calm. integrity. Yes, exactly. Be a journalist, Alex. Do not yell at people on Twitter. But I thought it was absurd that there was a debate on that. I really do not understand in any way how that could be a debate. She's Listen to the credentials I just read off, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> She's been an All-American, what, eight times? She's guessing at this point. It's ridiculous. And, I mean, her, again, her impact, right? I mean, you know how much, how incredible you have to be as a gymnast, as a performer, as a person, that when you are on the same team as an Olympic gold medalist, people lose their minds for you probably more than they do for the Olympic gold medalist I mean, just be in the arena when she steps onto the floor and you'll understand that she has to get. Like, again... I think it's well past time that we do. I think I fully support John Cohen in his mission to address that. I think I I think he has a lot of really creative ideas, and I hope to get him on this show at some point to ask him about it in detail, because I'm going to tell him straight up, write this one down, John. Darion Goborn deserves a statue right after you build that Ruthie Bolton statue. Yep. Let's just – let's make it very clear here. I just – I think it's, it's frustrating, and I mean, I – you know, I – can only speak so far from a position, but as as a female athlete or simply a female that supports Auburn, I can't imagine how it feels to know that there's going to be eight to nothing. That's, again, 
that is in the past, and I hope Auburn can move forward and actually make the proper and necessary adjustments to it because Auburn has a very rich history and a very incredible history of female athletes. We've listed off three right here and then already that I think are some of the best athletes, period, in Auburn history, let alone female athletes. And then, of course, yep. the nun can get a statue, give her a whistle. I'm just saying. The worst part about this is, like, especially for like the Darion statue, is obviously Ruthie is the first one to get a statue. Yeah. She deservedly so. But, like... We're not gonna probably see a Darion statue for a long time. Yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna uh, just make the statue. I mean, again, I like mean, I, as soon as they graduate, she, I start working. She's on very likely gonna be could be a runner up on multiple events again this year, which would make her a multi a again more than two time no runner up, a national champion on vault. Like I think, and I've talked to people, and they're like, "Oh, I didn't realize Auburn Auburn gymnastics didn't have this rich history." Yeah, she's the first national champion in the program. She yep. she was she was the first and only until Suni comes in here and does all that Suni does. So that's all I gotta say about that, ladies and gentlemen. I think it'd be awesome. I you have the full support of Weagle if you build a statue. <laughs> that's all I can say. This compact discourse on Weagle ninety one point one FM and WeagleFM.com. Build we'll the right Brit back. statue outside. Oh good lord. Yes, when we get our when we get our new uh new non-flooded suite, we'll definitely have to have that in the cards. <laughs> we'll be right back after this. Welcome back, everybody. This is Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. Logan tried to talk to me before I turned his mic on. I was going to say, can I do the intro? Oh, well. <laughs> I, you, you, you said you, it was right around the time, you know? Well, what can I say? Um, you'll get that next year, Logan. <laughs> no. I don't. I did it before. I know. I know. I'm just messing. But you know what time it is, Logan? I'm getting a little hungry this morning. So hungry I could just, just go to the edge. Yeah. And with that... It's Abbott time. Edger, Alex Houston. <laughs> it is time for the menu at the edge, everybody. Starting with traditions, you've got smothered chicken breast, chicken breast pieces, slow cooked with vegetables and spices, roasted Brussels sprouts, roasted mushrooms, and confetti brown rice with a southern cornbread muffin. Oh, goodness me. I'm going to have to go there. Then at the Ignite Grill, you've got a Southwest crispy chicken sandwich with some crispy French fries. Urban Kitchen has chicken shawarma, yellow rice, and falafel. That's a very common one there. Oh, Lord. Indeed. At True Balance, the station that prepares all their foods without eggs, milk, peanuts, tree nuts, fish, shellfish, soy, sesame, wheat, and gluten. They've got roasted pork loin, seasoned rice, grilled green beans, steamed peas, and a roasted mushroom and tomato salad. That last one sounds hideous. Streetworks Entree, taco meat, seasoned black beans, and a fresh-pressed flour tortilla. At Pizza, classic cheese, pepperoni, and a mushroom and sausage pizzas. That's three different pizzas all there at the pizza station. Uh-oh, the sweet treats. This is the most dangerous of all stations, Logan. A cookie and cream blondie. Brown sugar dessert bar baked with... Oreo cookie pieces, a chocolate chip devil's food cake, a sugar cookie, and a chocolate chip cookie. And that 
is your. I got a, I got a menu at the edge. I got a topic for you. Oh, what you got for we me? We are. This is the last day of February. Bye bye February. February stars. My fighters listen to it today, if you want. Um, we are getting to March. March movies. And it's the big movie, first big movie March month. March Madness, March movies. March, oh, yeah, Madness. March, March Oscars. We're doing the, March the Oscars. Uh, yes. We're doing an Oscars thing. But with the first big movie month of the year, I would say. You want to hear the lineup? Go ahead. Give it to us. We have this Friday, my most anticipated movie of the year, Creed 3. Oh, jeez. Don't even act like those. Most movies are great. Have you seen them, Alex? Yes. Alex, you sing? Yes. Why are you so sad? Because there's only so many times I can watch eight movies about a boxer overcoming a, a, a adversity before I'm like, I think he's going to overcome adversity this time. No, no. Um, he got 65 March 10th with Adam Driver and the Dinosaur. That movie is hilarious. That Ed is a very hilarious What a name, movie. man. Also March 10th, Scream 6, which we will be seeing. Oh, yeah. Um, March 17th, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. Um, we'll get past that. Um, yeah. Looks kind of mid- Looks I've seen mid. I've seen the trailers for for like six months. And I'm just like not. Impressed. People said they're just gonna go see it for that one girl. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Rachel Zellweger. <laughs> yes. You know she was in West Side Story and nobody saw that and I did. So that's <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> I thought that movie was good. March 24th birthday movie John Wick four. March 24th. Did you know that was coming out March? Yes. Well, the last trailer I remember seeing it. It's um, soon. And then at the end of the month, on March 31st, we have Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. And I am excited for that movie. Oh, wow. Because I like Dungeons & Dragons, and I think it's literally just the game. Like, they were like, there was a clip where it's like, you have five questions to ask the dead person. And he's like, so I only have five? And he's like, that's one. And it's like, and it's like he basically goes through all the questions. Like, I have no excitement for that movie whatsoever. I've also never played Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. And... I think the movie looks very cookie cutter, to be honest, which I, is unfortunate. I think it's going to be very campy. I think it's mm. going to be like a, it's not. Gonna I'd like it to be campy. Be like, I think it just looks it looks very generic. I think the trailers make it look generic, but like the clips I've seen, like I don't think it looks like. I mean, like yeah, like the actors definitely, but like I think there's a passion behind it. Like I think if it's something like if you play D and D, you'll enjoy it, and it's going to be like a camp. But I feel like if you never like gone into that realm, it's going to be like a, just a basic movie to you kind of thing. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Well, I've never gotten to that realm, so it looks like it might be a very basic movie. Speaking of me. movies. Speaking of movies. Wait, there was one thing before I wanted I wanted to talk about that. Um, oh, we got two minutes. Yes, actually, never mind. Well, Megan texted me and was like, what about the vegetarian options? Um, If you go back and listen, I mentioned all of them. So anyway, <laughs> Cocaine Bear. Cocaine Bear. I want to see what kind of effect it has on it. This is the movie of the year. I will say, the theater was loving this movie when me and Noah saw it. It is so funny. It's so so. Here's one thing: I was kind of concerned going in because I'd read a really bad review that said that it was bogged down by a lot of subplots that did not allow the bear to shine. And in the beginning, spoiler alert: there are a lot of subplots introduced. And I was like, "What? What about the bear?" But then, when the bear takes center stage, he does not leave center stage. I mean, I thought it was better. I mean, I like this because instead of it just like. The bear mindlessly killing. We get to get a little bit of backstory of this character before the bear mindlessly kills them. True. Yes, of course, of course. And I think absolutely. that makes it funnier for like the jokes and the the punchlines to land. You That's know? fair. Th- this movie was so so funny. It it beat Ant Man oh, at the it, box it office did? during. Dur- I think it was a specific day. It got more. It, it oh, had okay. eight like point four minutes. Ant Man had eight point three. Ant Man, of course, had one of the biggest drops of any because bl- uh, I was going to say film of all time. The weekend. There was like a thing that Jonathan Majors could have been the first actor to have two number one movies back to back in separate movies. Oh yeah, because Creed. Creed, yep. I I don't know if Ant Man did win the weekend. All I know is Ant Man is currently 
barely let's, keeping its head above water. Let's not talk about that. No, we, we, cer- we certainly don't have to. And I also, um, yeah, that movie's amazing. It was so funny. It was very funny. It was so good. And also, you know, I saw interesting discourse. People are mad that American audiences didn't go see Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. But my point was, the movie was marketed terribly, and it still got a lot of money. So maybe the American audience is great. Yeah, it was not marketed well. The only I reason, didn't know it was in theaters. I, the only, yeah, true. And the only reason I wanted to see that movie was because of TikTok. Because it clips on TikTok. Exactly, exactly. Word of mouth kind of carried it to victory. And with that, that will wrap up this today's episode of Compact Discourse on Weagle 91.1 FM and WeagleFM.com. I want to thank Sophia Growth for joining us today. Again, I want to shout out all the gymnastics team for being so available to all of us in student media and media alike. It's a lot of fun getting to talk to them and learn more about their lives, their careers, and so on and so forth. I want to thank Logan Hurston for showing up and save me because these last 45 minutes would have been very, very tough. <laughs> and lastly, I'll leave you all with this. You can find all sorts of Weagle stuff on WeagleFM.com at Weagle underscore AU on Twitter and Instagram. And lastly, why don't we go ahead and build those statues? <laughs> <laughs>